0: From the Amazon to the Himalayas, God is accomplishing his mission. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas Podcast. Stories and conversations with the Global Church and for the Global Church about the mission of God in the world. And now here is your host, Paul Aiken.
1: This is Amazon to the Himalayas Podcasts conversations with the global church and for the global church about the mission of God in the world. I am your host, Paul Aiken, and in this episode, we will hear about what God is doing in Beirut, Lebanon, in the Middle East. Our guest today is Marwan Abul Zalouf. Marwan is the planting pastor of City Bible Church in Beirut, Lebanon. He served in a two-year church planting residency at Redeemer Church in Dubai before moving to Beirut. Marwan and his wife, Marcy, have been married since 2010 and have two young sons. Marwan is also a Master's of Divinity student at Southern Seminary, and his church building in Beirut was significantly damaged by the explosion and blast in Beirut. I've been following Marwan from a distance for a while, and I'm very excited for you to hear from him today. Marwan, ahlan wa sahlan. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Brother, thank you for having me, Paul. It's a, it's a joy to be here with you.
1: Marwan, maybe start by just telling us briefly about you and your family.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, like you mentioned, I'm married to Marcy. Uh, we just, beginning of August, celebrated 10 years of marriage, and we have spent most of our married years overseas. It's about, been about six years. Actually, this month will be six years that we've been living outside the States, two in Dubai, and coming up on four years here in Beirut, Lebanon. Yeah, we, we both had a, a desire uh, separately. It's actually one of the things that brought us together to serve the Lord in an overseas capacity. Now, for me, because of my background, I was born in this part of this world. I knew the Lord was leading me here because of the spread of Islam and uh, the needs out here, my, my background. I have lots of family throughout the region. Uh, and so the Lord brought Marcy and I together. And yeah, we actually... We met in San Diego uh, through a, a mission and prayer school where I was kind of helping with the leading and and she came out for a summer. Uh, and then we moved back to Arkansas where she was at. Uh, and I joke around that I had more culture shock uh, going from San Diego to Arkansas than ever leaving the U.S. and going back to the Middle East. Uh, but man, it was a joy for us uh, to be there as Marcy was finishing off her university years. We, we were part of a, a church plant, a Cross Life Church of Russellville, Arkansas. We were there was one of the founding elders, uh, and, and it was there, Paul, that, that we fell in love with the local church. And so our time there, as, as the Lord was also preparing our hearts and, and stretching our desires to, to serve him overseas, kind of refining that that vision, we saw as we read the Great Commission and, again, our time in uh, Russellville at this church, that church planting is, is uh, what the Lord is doing and what he's calling us to, as, as we consider making disciples. And baptizing, these things happen in the local church. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was there in Arkansas that we fell in love with the church and wanted to see what we experienced and how we grew through the church body duplicated and replicated in this part of the world where Christ isn't known uh, the way that he is where, where we were.
1: Mm. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up, you know, planting and now pastoring City Bible Church in Beirut, Lebanon.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, went back to. I guess we can go back to 2013, as we were seeking opportunities, praying, speaking with uh, IMB, one one of the the groups that we spoke with, and also just reaching out to contacts that we had in the region. And we took a trip. uh, It was November of 2013, uh, myself, my wife, and uh, our pastor at the time. And uh, we visited, it was kind of a whirlwind of a vision trip. We came to Dubai for a couple of days came to Lebanon for a few or in Egypt and then went to Jordan, really just hoping to connect with believers uh, to see what the Lord is doing and see in which ways we can join the work uh, that was happening. Uh, and it was during that process and even during the time in Dubai, it, it kind of became uh, confirmed that I would be the one who uh, would plant the church. You know, when we came out, that all these things weren't as clear as they are now. And so it wasn't necessarily at that time Uh, a deep desire for me to be the planting pastor, but the Lord really stirred up my heart for that, and also as we saw a need here. Uh, Now, Paul, you know this because we've been in touch, but uh, I I pastor an English-speaking congregation, so we are an international church, I I guess is the best way to describe ourselves. About half of the adults are locals, uh, both Lebanese and also there's a large Armenian population here. Then the other half would be uh, non-Arab. And so you have Africans, Asians, we have Europeans, and Americans. Uh, and the reason that we decided to plant an English-speaking church uh, was because we spoke with actually a prominent pastor here in Lebanon on one of these trips. And we asked, what are the needs? What are the needs in Lebanon? How can we uh, serve? And in what ways can we come alongside the local church? Uh, and this pastor really was shocked by his response. He said, uh, we need English-speaking churches. I don't roll my eyes. That's not something I do. But I think somewhere inside, I felt we're not moving to Lebanon to reach university students or or expats. Not that they don't need the gospel. And I I spent time in college ministry. uh, But we're coming to the Middle East. I speak the language. Um, Didn't think that we would do an English church. Now, it was this pastor that really cast the vision and it just we ran with it uh, that there are many Lebanese prefer English. Uh, for for lots of reasons. One of those reasons is because of the long history of war and turmoil in Lebanon and and in the region, many have left. Uh, We'll probably talk about that a little bit more. Uh, That's partly my story of how we ended up in the US. And so for one reason or or another, people have left this region and and many have returned, uh, whether it's after university years or just wanting to come back out here. And so we realized there's a large population uh, of Lebanese who prefer English, Lebanon is also an educated nation, and so most people are actually trilingual, Arabic, English, and French. And so we realized that there's also an opportunity for us uh, through an English-speaking church uh, to reach uh, disenfranchised believers, those who maybe have a a difficult background with with the Catholic Church, or here we have the Maronite Church. And so uh, there's opportunities there. We asked many others, and they they affirmed it, uh, which, again, kind of uh, was shocking at first. And yet that's what we found to be the best fit for us with our gifting and also with what we felt the Lord was doing. So, so yeah, we moved out here in, I guess it would be 2016 and City Bible Church was, was planted in the spring of 2018. Marwan,
1: tell us about the people, the the culture, what makes that part of the
2: world unique? Man, this, how long, how much time do we have brother? Um, (laughs) You know, I'll I'll speak about Lebanon specifically. Lebanon is, is an incredibly, Culturally rich country and a people here. You know, Beirut, the city that I I live in, is one of the uh, oldest cities in the world. Actually, I think four of the oldest ten in in the world are in Lebanon. Um, Also, as being the, uh, they say, continually inhabited cities. And so, Lebanon, or excuse me, Beirut, has been continually inhabited for 5,000 years. Uh, That means that there hasn't been a time in, in, in the history that people have not lived here. Just about a 40-minute drive north of us is the ancient city of Byblos, or, or here we say Shbael, which is is written and referred to in the Bible over a dozen times, 7,000 years continually inhabited. And so uh, one of the things that I love about this city uh, is is the mix of the ancient and the modern, not just old, but, but ancient, just not not far walk from our home and also from our church, uh, kind of what they call martyr square or, or downtown Beirut you'll see the largest mosque in the country next to a Maronite cathedral, right? I mean, these all within a minute walk of each other. Uh, There's a Greek Orthodox church from the sixth century, I believe. And then right there, you see Roman ruins as well. And so just the the history is incredible. So many people have come through Lebanon and have left their mark. And one of the ways that it's uh, most commonly experienced is through the food. And so uh, as a self-proclaimed foodie. Uh, I love living out here as far as what's available. Kind of, again, like I said, all the cultures that have come through here over thousands of years uh, have left their mark on culture, food, arts. And so uh, it's really an incredible place to live.
1: Maybe briefly tell us a little bit about the explosion, just some of the background of, of what took place recently uh, with the blast, and then also maybe the impact that that has had is having on you and on your church
2: yeah sure august 4th is a date that no one here in lebanon is going to forget and you know i I think you you might have seen this somewhere on online as i posted it august 3rd we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary and for ministry opportunity we we weren't able to leave the city with COVID and everything happening we had plans to travel maybe go to cyprus or do something to celebrate 10 years of marriage and, and celebrate what the lord has done uh, but we weren't able to travel, and so we thought we'll do an overnight getaway. We were planning on doing it Monday on our anniversary, but like I said, we had a, a ministry opportunity that, that kept us, that so we wanted to stay in the city, so we pushed it to Tuesday. We drove out of Beirut, which where we live uh, is less than a mile from the blast site, where the church is is about a quarter mile from the blast site facing it. We can see the port from the front of the church. And so we weren't here. Thankfully, we drove about I don't know, 50 miles north uh, to northern lebanon to the mountains just for one night we drove away uh just a couple of hours before it all happened and just reflecting on that again personally and for my family uh, is one of the uh, great kindnesses of, of god to us that, that we weren't here to experience that now i, I would still say that we're experiencing trauma and in different ways as we're uh, coping with this seeing our city caring for for so many who have lost everything and so But but we weren't here. Our home has sustained some minor damages, but nothing that would kind of redirected my attention to to look inward. And so we just knew that the Lord protected our space, protected our family. And so there's zero time taken away from uh, the work that is ahead of us as a church and as a people here in the city. You mentioned it in the intro briefly, but our church uh, is completely destroyed. But We're so thankful uh, that, that we weren't there. The thing that kind of kept running in my mind every time I I, I look at the pictures or uh, I've I've seen so many videos, Paul, uh, the whole world has seen these videos, right, as they've kind of surfaced online. There's one that was taken, I mean, right where our church is, and it is just terrifying. Uh, And to think that we would have, if we would have been there, uh, there would have been certain death. All of us would have been injured if we were in, in that room. And so reflecting again on God's kindness, that this Carrier this this ship with all this these explosive materials so has been there for six years, so this could have happened anytime. And so again, God's kindnesses have been uh, noticed and recognized throughout this. Uh, we we have members of our church who were thrown across the room, others who every window in their house exploded except for the one corner that they happened to be, and just just things like that. We see the Lord's kindness uh, and, and His mercy on us, but it has been hard for our city. Uh, most people. You don't follow much of what's happening in any other country than your, your own. Uh, so, most people don't know how difficult uh, these last 18 months have been in Lebanon. The economy is, is failing. There's always been corruption in, in the government, but it's kind of come to a point where now the country is, uh, in many considered, a failed state. We have, so for example, I'll share that the, the local currency is called the lira, Lebanese lira. Uh, it, for about 23 years, it was marked that one dollar equals. 1,500 lira. And so that's kind of been pegged to the dollar and, and life has, has continued since the the economy has started to uh, spiral downward. Now, the, the lira is at 7,500 to $1. And it's even gone up to about $1 to 10,000. And so uh, you think of people who have been having difficulty making ends meet, working multiple jobs. Now, uh, there's no work because of the pandemic. And also their salaries are, are worth uh a quarter of what it was before, and so at least there they had their home until the blast. Uh, Three hundred thousand uh, homes have been damaged and families displaced, and so it's it's one of those things that make you say, Lord, what, what is going on? How much more uh, can this can one people or one city take? And so it's it's been hard, uh, and yet we are people who trust in the sovereignty and providence of God, and that's been uh, that's been something we've held on to, uh, and we believe that He He has us here as well as other believers in this time for a reason that he would be glorified.
1: I know you just mentioned some of the the challenges, not just related to the blast, but, you know, other things related to it as well. And I think obviously this, the explosion has in some ways kind of put Beirut, at least for a season of time on kind of the world map and people are kind of tuning in and paying attention. I know the church has kind of been uh, reminded of this as well. So I know people are praying about what God's doing there. In the midst of all the, the tragedy and some of the, the challenge that you just expressed, uh, are you seeing God do anything? Are there any, you know, glimpses, evidences of His grace, hope? I mean, obviously you talked about protection for you, for your family, for others in the church, but even, you know, kind of now that we're several weeks out from the blast, are there any particular things that you see that the Lord is doing?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're, we're kind of in the middle of it. So there's not a whole lot we can say, this has happened. But the conversations that we've had, you know, this was something that we even experienced when we first moved out uh, because, you know, Lebanon, well, when we came here, it was kind of towards the end, uh, but the Syrian refugee crisis. And Lebanon had more refugees per capita than anywhere else in the world. And again, just there's always regional conflict and, and fighting. And so people have, have become disillusioned with maybe what they've held on to as truth, believing in certain religions and, and uh, holding hope with either a political party or affiliation or trusting their education, trusting their their savings accounts. And so here with the blast, it's as if there's nothing left for someone to hold on to uh, or to put hope into. And so it's, it's heartbreaking to see the, the how low that people are uh, going and the, the challenges they're experiencing. And yet people as a result of it and in, in God's kindness, because we know that people won't ask these questions uh, genuinely, unless God is, is uh, stirring apart and the Spirit is working. And so people are asking questions they wouldn't have asked otherwise. They're, they're starting to uh, see through some of the lies that they've believed uh, that they wouldn't have otherwise if, if their homes weren't destroyed, if, if their salaries didn't disappear. And so we've had an opportunity as a church to have uh, conversations uh, with, with our neighbors at the church and, and trying and to minister to our community. And so we're just trusting. It's, it's really the same hope that when we first moved out here, just trusting that God will do this work, um, and we just want to try to be faithful in presenting the gospel and and, and living living our, our lives kind of um, in the grace of God and trusting in the mercy of God and just pointing people to Christ, even if we don't really have clear answers on some of these things that that are happening. Um, and so we're, yeah, the, the Lord's opened up some doors for us with, with people, relationships, businesses that we're we're praying will bear eternal fruit.
1: Obviously, when you think about your work and your ministry, there's a myriad of challenges that are there, and you just even articulated some of those. But if you had to maybe narrow it down to maybe one or two, what would you say is you know, the biggest challenges that you face pastoring a church, planting a church, doing ministry in that place, in that context?
2: You, you, how many do you want me to just one or two? Or yes. <laughs> No, yeah. One of the things that I can attest to as we look to the scriptures, where where Christ said, where the harvest is plentiful, uh, and yet the laborers are few. And so that's something that we've experienced, uh, whether it's because of uh, the location of our church, Uh, Beirut isn't as as enticing of a place for people to come out because of the woes and the the terrors that, that are so common around here. And yet it's also uh, very transient. And so any cities are going to experience people coming through and leaving. And so um, we've had a challenge of trying to find those who we can uh, raise up as well as uh, labor alongside us. Again, the harvest is plentiful and yet the labors are few. We're, we're experiencing that even now with all the needs, with the brokenness and, and disaster around us. How, how, do we, how do we address it? How can we uh, truly be faithful uh, and, and, you know, we realize that we can't. <laughs> and so we're thankful for, for God's grace and the empowering of his spirit. And so, so yes, I think a challenge is there's not many laborers here. Lebanon will, will boast of being uh, the largest Christian nation in, in the Middle East. They used to be less than 100 years ago, about 80 percent of people would, would identify themselves as, as Christians. Uh, now, I don't think they would have trusted in Christ alone by grace through faith. So when we think of born-again believers, less than 1% in, in the country. So again, there's a, a limit or let's say a kind of a challenge in, in that capacity. Now, as far as another challenge, again, is just uh, I think there's, there's just so much that's happening here. It just feels like uh, we've, been, we've been sprinting since since we began, again, with, with, with the amount of needs that we've seen. And yet, in it all, God has been faithful and gracious to us. Lots of people ask, well, what kind of things have happened? Uh, since the church has planted or, or kind of tell us some stories and, and we have stories. We're thankful for that. But I, I try to remind myself that God planted a church, that that's not something that man can do. That's not something we can do apart from God's grace. And so that uh, he, he, he allowed for a body of believers to come together, to covenant to God together and, and to, um, to live for, for a time here together in Beirut.
1: One of the things I mentioned in the introduction is that you spent two years doing a, a church planting residency in Dubai to get some, some preparation and training, but you're also, even now, still pursuing master's work, getting more training, more education from Southern Seminary here in the States. And so I was just curious, you know, how has Southern Seminary helped equip you for the work that you're doing there in Beirut?
2: Yeah, I've been really thankful. I've actually, uh, I skipped the last term. Uh, please, please don't tell anyone. Uh, I, I just didn't think I could I focus on all that we have here as well as, as Keep Up Studies. And so I've just kind of taken a, uh, just a break, hoping to start up again soon. But uh, for me as, as a young pastor, uh, it's been uh, incredibly helpful to kind of focus my, my training and to to continue to grow in, in, in my theological understanding. Uh, so I've taken OT one and two and hermeneutics kind of those are the most recent courses I took and it's actually my time in the Old Testament has been really helpful because we we started in the in the Gospel of John I've done a couple things throughout since in the past two years but uh, we just finished it and so I I knew I wanted to again in in theory lots of these things are kind of theoretical as as a young pastor this is what I'll do next so this is where we'll 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 teach next I would have loved to go into the Old Testament so. That's why I took these two courses, OT1 OT2. Uh, and so it's, it's been uh, really uh, strengthening for, for my uh, understanding. Also, it's helped me uh, as I care and disciple others in, in the scriptures and, and within our church. And so uh, we're going into the book of Ruth uh, if we were able, ever able to gather again. Um, and so, and, and considering the redemption of, of our Lord. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a joy. Uh, seminary is something I've, I've wanted to do for many years. Uh, and the opportunity came for me to do that now. And so, so yeah, chipping away. Uh, so I think it'll be quite a few years before, before I finish that MDiv, but uh, thankful for the time and the opportunity to do that.
1: That's great. This is a question that I ask everyone that I interview, and I just would love to hear your response. Day after day, week after week, and month after month, what keeps you there in that mm-hmm. place? And why are you giving your life to this work?
2: It's a good question. I think I would say there is no greater cause. Jesus is worthy. You know, er, early on, uh, when when my eyes were open to uh, to lostness in the world, that's that's the best way I can describe it. You, you know, you know what's happening. You, you know of the needs, but at one point, it kind of impacted me in such a way that, that I couldn't ignore it or couldn't couldn't uh, pretend I wasn't impacted by by the need that that people were would be born would live a life and here in Lebanon we see a life of suffering and they would die and never hear the name of Jesus and so I was very impacted by that. I remember uh, a story I'm sure many uh, of those who are listening and you yourself know of the the Moravians and one of the stories I remember hearing early on just as as these young men heard of a need and and decided you know missions at that time you, you leave everything behind and very likely you'll never see anyone again and uh, just that image of, of the story as the two men I, I think it was two I can't remember how many were sailing off they raised their hands and, and declared may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering and that's kind of just been an echo in my heart uh, times that uh, when, when we were feeling glow or discouraged I'm just reminded of Christ uh, and and what he has done for us and 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 so it's really the motivator for both my wife and I that, that, that people will come to know Christ, even if it's after a couple decades that be, that he's worthy of our labors and our efforts. Um, even if it's after our time here, we, we trust that, that He is worthy of our labors and these sacrifices. So yeah
1: What is your constant prayer for the people in your congregation, for the city of Beirut?
2: Yeah, my prayer as a pastor, prayer for those that the Lord has entrusted into my care and, and just as we think of, of the lost, as we think of the, the struggling or Christian or the, the new believer, is that, that they would know Christ. They would find the sufficiency in Christ. that They would stop fighting. Which I guess we're always going to be fighting right? Uh, against, against what we know to be true because of, of, of the brokenness in this world and, and the sin in our lives, but that they would know Christ and find joy in him you know uh, you commented on on my mug early on uh, sipping away at some tea uh, here in the evening and, and there's a quote by spurgeon uh that i kind of again we'll, we'll think about i thought i had to mention something about spurgeon uh, in, the, in this time so but here it says if we had to preach to thousands year after year uh, and never rescued but one soul that one soul would be a full reward for all our labor for a soul is of countless price and so we're praying for souls uh, whether through uh, our direct ministry or, or the fruit that might come from that, uh, just trusting uh, that there are people here that the Lord has called to himself. And, and, and we, we want to be a part in calling them uh, to, to repent, to put their faith in Jesus.
1: Marwan, last question. What is one thing that you want everyone listening to this podcast to know or to do?
2: I think I'd want everyone to know uh, that Jesus is building his church here in Lebanon. Not, not just City of Owl Church, even though uh, the Lord has been faithful to do that, and we trust that he'll continue, uh, even, even though the, our, our space is, is destroyed, not sure where we're going to be meeting, uh, that doesn't stop the church, right? Not, nothing stops the spread of the gospel, and that's been one of my encouragements as we look. I mean, Jesus was here in Lebanon. You know, some of the first people that heard the gospel of the kingdom were, were those in Lebanon, and right? we see that in scripture, of the, the, the Canaanite woman or the Syrophoenician woman, and uh, th- that encourages me that with all the brokenness, all the destruction, all the time that the city has, has crumbled down, the fruit of the gospel will, will continue. The spread of the gospel uh, will, will not be stopped. Uh, and so just to, to rejoice. So, so don't forget us after a few months when people kind of forget about this blast. Don't, don't forget that there are people here laboring, not just in Lebanon, but in this part of the world for the sake of the gospel and that Christ is faithful and, and from Beirut to Brooklyn to Anywhere Christ is working, uh, and he can't be stopped.
1: I hope you have enjoyed hearing from Pastor Marwan today. As the Lord brings him, City Bible Church, his family, the city of Beirut, to your mind in the coming days, I would just encourage you to pray for him, pray for his family, pray for the church, ask that the Lord would continue to do his work in and through them. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. More encouraging conversations are on the way. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.